from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. My name is Tony Sundermeyer, the senior pastor, and I want to thank you for watching today's broadcast. Now, I invite you to join in the worship of God. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. While the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Katie. Uh, the second text uh, for us this morning is from Titus, the second chapter, verses 11 through 14, a text that shows up in the Advent and Christmas season. Listen to it with fresh ears. See it with fresh eyes. Now, in this moment of worship. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all, training us to renounce impiety and worldly passions, and in the present age to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly, while we wait for the blessed hope and the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He it is who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself 
a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open this word afresh to us this day and continue to break open the ministry of Mary so that we may ourselves be ministers in our witness, in our blessing, in our times of crisis. And today, especially, we think about the moments that we desire hope. Would you do such a thing and meet us in this time, we pray in Christ's name, amen. This is the fourth uh, Sunday of Advent, and during the Advent season, we, we mark time in a very particular way. Uh, we sing certain songs, we pray certain prayers, we light certain candles, and throughout this season and into the Christmas tide, we are constantly being called to remember two things, to be mindful of two things. The first is this, that God's grace has appeared. That in and as the person of Jesus Christ, God is with us and God is for us. We are called in the season of Advent to remember the Christ, his coming, his life, his death, and his resurrection, and what it means for you and for me and the whole world. We're called to remember something that has already taken place. The second thing that we're called to remember is that there is something that has not yet taken place and that we as followers of Christ and friends of God are, are on the lookout we're on the lookout, we are expecting, we are keeping watch, we are preparing precisely for that grace to come again, precisely for that Christ to come again, precisely for, for waiting for God to show up in a powerful way to meet us right now in this very moment and in the days ahead. The letter we call Titus sort of frames Advent for us quite neatly in this particular text. The writer says that grace has indeed appeared. It's in the past tense that the writer speaks and the word that the writer lifts up in these opening words that I, verses that I read for us this morning, they use a particular word, the word epiphany, the word for unveiling, and literally the Greek reads, grace has had its epiphany. Grace has been revealed to us, bringing salvation to all. As I said, the epiphany is the Christ child himself. But the writer also uses the word epiphany again later on in this text when talking about the manifestation of the, of the glory of God. And this time, unlike in the first time where it's past tense, the writer uses the word epiphany in the Greek in the future tense. It's not just that grace had appeared, but that grace is going to appear, that grace will come, that the manifestation of God will come again. And so in this season, we wait for that epiphany that has, 
has yet to come. We wait for the blessed hope, says the writer, the blessed hope of Jesus to come again in the future. And dare we even say, come right now in our present moment, in our personal and collective histories for God to show up in a real and present way. That's why in the season of Advent, the most important prayer, the most necessary prayer for Christians to pray is come, Lord Jesus, come. Come again, come with grace, come with healing, come with power right now and in the days ahead. So Advent, what it's really all about, Advent is about memory and hope. It's about remembering what has already happened and hoping for that which is yet to happen. It's about remembering that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and that that word can be made flesh in our lives right now. And that is our hope, even in this present moment. Well, last week I, I was uh, feeling a bit melancholy as I was thinking about all that we have lost in 2020, and especially as we've moved through this Advent season, I can't believe we're already here on the fourth Sunday of Advent. Christmas Eve is right around the corner, Christmas Day soon to follow that, and, and it looks a lot different than it has in years past here at First Presbyterian Church. I do wanna say how thankful I am for the wisdom and leadership of our COVID-19 task force, for our session in these days, for the discernment they have offered, for the wisdom that they have offered, for the ways in which they were able to articulate, uh, ways in which we could safely gather and things that we shouldn't do, and leaning in day by day, moment by moment, decision by decision, uh, with such faithfulness to God and allowing God to use their minds and their giftedness. I'm so thankful. I don't know what we would have done without their leadership. I'm also grateful for our staff in this season. Uh, they've been nimble, they've been creative, and if they've met the, the ministry needs of our time, the ministry challenges that have brought, been brought on by, our, by this pandemic, rather. So as I said, I, I was feeling a bit melancholy as I was reviewing all that would be different this year in Advent and, and Christmas, and, and, and I've had a lot of emotions around these particular realities. These feelings, I, I will uh, let you know, a, a moment of transparency, these feelings are deeply connected to my love of Advent and the ways in which I'm energized by this season and especially by Christmas Eve worship. Uh, in the midst of the, the pageantry and the, the packed sanctuary and the glorious music that we here in this space year after year after year, what's really meaningful for me is that I feel so close to God on Christmas Eve. And I feel so close to our family of faith on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is a, is a thin place for me where, where heaven and earth intersect. The fact that it will be so different this year uh, is very sad. And it is uh, difficult, and it's tough, and it's hard. So last week, I was all in these feelings, and I was in this melancholy. And, and so I read an article about self-care during the pandemic. They're like a dime a dozen. But this one particular article I, I saw really piqued my interest. The author 
Anna Borges was commenting on how she's been routinely listening to music. She's an adult now, but, but listening to the music that she listened to when she was a teenager. Like she's found herself during the midst of the pandemic pulling out all of this music on, on Spotify, listening to this music that she listened to when she was a teen. And she rhetorically asked herself, why is it that was she doing this? And then she would also ask herself, why am I getting so much comfort out of this? Why every time I put a song on from the days of my youth, do I feel at ease? Do I feel like I can move through this? I feel like there's a certain level of calm that has come over me. And she rhetorically asked that and then answered it within her piece. And this is what she said. I was a teen who often felt misunderstood and trapped who struggled with untreated depression, abuse, and self-harm. Everything about my situation during my teenage years felt big, raw, inescapable. Without the vocabulary to describe what I was dealing with or the coping mechanisms I eventually learned as an adult, music was my main source of comfort. She said it was a well of hope a promise of a better future when my present felt unbearable. Plus, being trapped at home amid a pandemic isn't that dissimilar to how I felt as a teen in a tumultuous home with no car or no place to go. What struck me about what she wrote and what so resonated with me was how her memory, how her memory brought her to peace and comfort in the past and how that feeling and that journey in her own mind actually cultivated hope for her present living. You see, our minds and our bodies are designed in powerful ways and they can do powerful things. One of the things our minds and our bodies can do is block pain and block trauma, block difficult experiences in our past, and, and people actually do that. People sometimes suppress tragedy and trauma in their lives so as to not subject themselves to the feelings that they felt during that trauma or those memories. They don't want to feel it again, and so the, the body and the mind suppress those things, and it's it's a design feature in us that protects us in certain ways. But in the reverse, what's also true is that our minds and our bodies can recall feelings and experiences, that it can invite us to remember feelings and experiences that are really, really good, that are life-giving, that are life-affirming, and that our bodies and our minds can say, hey, you should want more of this. That feeling, that experience, you should want more of that. And in the case of this article, the author's mind and body felt trapped and disillusioned and depressed by the pandemic. She remembered feeling similar feelings of being depressed and, and disillusioned and trapped as a teenager. And then she remembered what got her through. It was her music. She described it as a well of hope. And she went back to that well and she accessed all of that through her mind, through her memory. And 
She did this by remembering how she felt and who she wanted to be and how she got through those years as she went back to that catalog of music. And so the hope that she's cultivating today in her own life, in the midst of the pandemic still, it's actually predicated on the past. Do you follow me? It's actually predicated on the past. She remembered how she made it through. And for her living today, she has found hope. So after I read that article, I went to our church's website, to our worship service archives uh, page. Our tech and web team will love this. I went to that page and I pulled up Christmas Eve 2019. And right there in my living room, as I listened to the music and as the camera panned the congregation and I saw so many faces, so many of your faces in the congregation that night, and as I watched the sanctuary grow dim and dark and I saw the candles be lit across it, heard silent night sung, in that moment in my living room, I was filled with hope. I was filled with hope, I was filled with expectation, and I pondered out loud, if God can show up like that in 2019, most assuredly God can show up like that in 2020, even if it's through live stream, even if it's with masks on, even with its uh, social distance requirements and, and reservations and, and, and seating that's gonna be outside that is completely and wholly dependent on the weather, please say a prayer for good weather this weekend that God did it before, and God can do it again, and God will do it again. And certainly while I am sad and I lament that so many things are different this year, my hope has actually been renewed because I remember. I remember God's grace. I remember that it's appeared before and that God's grace can show up and will show up again. There, there's an old Emerson saying that has been badly manipulated over the years. It goes something like this. Worry looks back and hope looks forward. Worry looks back and hope looks forward. But I would suggest to you today that hope actually looks back too. That hope looks back too. It looks back to see where grace has appeared. It looks back to remember what healing looks like, what, what healing feels like. It looks back to remember what safety and comfort look like. It looks back to remember what the fullness of life feels like and what it looks like. And from a theological perspective, hope looks back to identify where God has shown up in the past in our personal and collective stories. It looks back and remembers and asks if, if God showed up back then in that way, certainly God will show up now. Certainly God will, will show up today. Why can't it happen now if it happened then? Why can't it happen in the future if it happened then? Thinking of the words from Titus, if God's grace showed up in the past, then it stands to reason that God's grace will show up now will show up again. See, it turns out that memory, memory is part of the rich soil where faith can bloom. Memory can resurrect hope that we've lost. 
that has died that we so desperately need right now. All of this brings us back to Mary. There's a line in Luke uh, 2 that, that has always struck me. Even as Katie read it today, it struck me again. For after the shepherds come to, to visit the Holy Family and the Christ child, and they tell of all they heard and all that they had seen, Luke says this, but Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. What a witness Mary is as Mary pondered. In other words, Mary remembered. And I have a hunch that Mary treasured and pondered these things her entire life. I imagine that she leaned into these words and she went back to these words like a well of hope, that she went back to Gabriel's words, that she went back to Elizabeth's words, that she went back to the shepherd's words, which is another way of saying going back to God's word to remind her again and again and again that God had shown up. And if God had shown up then, that God will show up again in her living even now. She remembered how God's grace appeared and that memory cultivated hope. Even in the midst of crisis, Mary could remember how God's faithfulness was made evident on that first Christmas day. And she could say and she could pray, even if it was through tears of uncertainty or pain, that she could pray and she could say that God was faithful in the past and that God will be faithful today and into the future. So church, if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for rescue, if you're looking for renewal, if you're looking for healing, or if you're looking for a way forward when, when there is no way, I invite you to be like Mary and ponder and remember God's faithfulness. Trace the lines of God's faithfulness in your own life. Recount the time that you, that you first believed that God was really real. Re recount the time when, when God's grace was sufficient for you to get through a hardship or a difficult period of time in your life. Recall the miracles when God moved mountains and, and parted seas for you or, or someone you loved. Remember when you first heard Jesus call you by name and say, come, come and follow me. Come unto me and I will give you rest. Remember his voice. Remember the saints of your life, those who are still alive today or those who have gone on to their eternal rest who are now part of the great cloud of witnesses. Remember your Gabriels, right? Remember your Elizabeths. Remember your shepherds and how you heard God's voice speaking through them and how you felt God's love when they loved you so well. So here's the word of encouragement on this last Sunday of Advent, the second to last Sunday of a very hard 2020. The friends do not forget the past. Do not forget the past. Don't forget that God came in the flesh. Do not forget that God came in and has Jesus Christ for you and for me. Do not forget where God's grace has appeared in your life. Remember it, ponder it these days. 
Ponder it the way Mary did because those memories, I believe, may hold the key to unlock the hope we're in desperate need of. You and I have the ability to remember how God has been God. We have the ability to remember how God has healed, how God has, has renewed, how God has forgiven, how God has restored, how God has been so gracious and merciful to us. And while there still may be scars and pain and, and heavy loads to carry, that there still may be fear and trepidation and uncertainty in our time. As the old hymn says, it is true, God has brought us safe thus far and God will lead us home. God will not leave us nor forsake us, church. And by looking back, by remembering, by pondering, we may discover the hope that we need this very hour. Mary in hope is Mary in remembering. So let us remember God's faithfulness in the past and let us cultivate hope in this moment and for our days ahead. Let us remember that God's grace has already appeared and God's grace is on the move and it will come again and again and again and again. May it be so in our lives and for the life of the world. Amen.